Good afternoon, everyone. Um, today I'm going to give you uh, a bit of a testimony about what God's been doing, and and um, and I want to read a couple things to you. Uh, the Lord gave me a word several years ago, and I just pulled it out again, and I realize, as it is with the Lord, sometimes He gives you something now that's that's for a later period of time. Now. <clears throat> <clears throat> Excuse me. Starting out, I wanted to share a quick story with you. Um, in 1961 or 62, somewhere in that area, George Hallis and the Chicago Bears were going to play the Packers in Lombardi for the NFL championship. And before the game, uh, George Hallis sent out his scout and said, I want you to scout the Packers and bring back a detailed scouting report. So he did that. And uh, the Monday after the game, uh, Hallis was at his desk, and the scout came in, and he said, give me your report. And the guy said, okay. So he throws down a blank clipboard. And Hallis says, what's, what's, the diff- what's this about? And the, the scout says, well, there's not much to say. They block better than anybody. They tackle better than anybody. They run better than anybody, and they pass better than anybody. And uh, they do the basics better than anybody. And as, as it would work out, uh, the Packers won the game. And if you know anything about pro football, the Packers won quite a few games in the 60s because they did things better than anybody else. Now, um, John Madden uh, recently told about going to a class. John Madden himself is a great coach about Vince Lombardi. And Lombardi spent uh, eight hours on one play. Eight hours on one play. And Madden made the comment that, that he thought he knew something, but he found out he didn't know anything at all after eight hours on one play. So I'd share that with you because when I go back to January of last year, uh, 2021, and I am in the hospital, I'm in ER with COVID, uh, I've got a bad case of COVID, and the Lord speaks to me and gives me a dream. And uh, after the dream was over, he gave me a scripture, which was Matthew 22, 36 through uh, 40. And I want to read those to you right now from the New King James. Um, Actually, I'll start at verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher... Which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love the Lord your God, pardon me, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In essence, Jesus was telling them, if you follow these two commandments, you get a hundred on all of them. That's basically what he was saying. That's my paraphrase of the situation. Now, having said that, um, I knew the Lord wanted me to deal with that. And, and, and he told me, in, in essence, I can't use you because you look more like the world than you do me. And he was telling me about 
all the things that I hate, all the things that I don't like, and all the things I'm angry about. And then he said, he said, and you hate yourself above anything else. Well, I could go back and go through my life story and, and waste your time telling you about all these events. That doesn't matter. It's the Lord's opinion that matters here. And so part of the basics that you have to get together here, that I have to learn, is how to run, block, tackle, and run better than anybody else. And these two scriptures, this scripture right here tells me that in order for me to do what God wants me to do, I have to learn to love myself. I have to learn love my neighbor as myself. So turn over to Psalm 2 and we'll, 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 we'll sit there for just a second. Psalm 2, and this word came to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this word to you. Uh, from October of 2017, the Lord gave me this word, and I filed it, but forgot about it immediately. Here's what he said. Just as Papa Bear Scout spoke of the basics concerning the Packers, see in my word that the basics are walking in the love of Jesus. I am love, and I have given you many promises concerning love that you need to pursue and believe. The questions in your heart do have answers, and the answers lie in 1 John and the associated direction my word leads you to. Those are the answers to the vital questions you've asked, and the answer is the only thing that will allow you to overcome addictions and the questions that you have about love. You act as though love is not available to you when my word clearly says that you have all the love you could ever need or want. You simply have chosen not to believe what it says. You've chosen your own view over the view of life that my word gives you. It's your choice. Your struggles are based exactly on your choices to deal with the various issues that you encounter. You've chosen to believe the things you have always believed about yourself. My word says those things are lies, but lies you have believed and continue to believe obstinately. You must walk by faith and not by sight or feeling. Everything points to love, and you must walk into my love with a willing heart. I can't minister to you or help you until you make the decision to allow my love to penetrate your heart. The infamous black spot, now it's, it's interesting, um, earlier that year I had gone to a, to a um, uh, seminar and I'd had a dream about a black, I, I saw a picture of a heart, it had a big black spot in the middle of it. And um, uh, when I went to the seminar, I didn't know the guy there, and guy didn't know me. And he pulls up an exact replica of that heart on a PowerPoint with a black spot in the middle of it. And that got my attention because I just had a dream about that very thing. Now, let me read here. The infamous black spot can be erased as you put your faith on the line and speak my words over your situation. Pray my word. Believe my word. 
Eat my word, and the issues you are so concerned about will melt away. They have to because there's not room in your heart for my word and lies. There's only room for one, and in, it, and in this area, you have chosen to believe the lies. You have listened to the enemy, but mostly the self-talk and words you've used over the many years. Satan doesn't have to do much to throw you off track. Simply bring up an image or two and then tell you nobody cares about how you feel and your lust and your mind will take over. Satan doesn't have to do much, just a little, and the walls and structures you've built over a lifetime take over and do his work for him. Your thought life is your own worst enemy. I've given you psalms two days in a row when you didn't even know about it. Read it, believe it, and act on it. It's for you and is your key to overcoming in this vital area. Your progress will only be as rapid as your willingness to change your thought life and quit believing lies. Get into the Word. Get headlong into the Word. I have some leadership for you. Now, um, that's a potent word, and it and it it is exactly lines up with what the Lord told me in in, Jan, in January last year. It's only four years difference. Now, why I didn't act on it before, I don't know. Probably wasn't ready for it. But I do want to take you back to a key scripture in my life is Deuteronomy chapter thirty, verse nineteen. This is, this is a critical verse. It says this, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Then verse 20 says that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey His voice and that you may cling to Him for He is your life and the length of your days and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. He says, I set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. Now, uh, it's obvious, and, and, and I, I confess this, this is a tough area for me. I've not, uh, I have not responded well to, these, to this leading. I've never, never responded well to it. Uh, and even though I know it's there, it's difficult when a lifetime of of uh, bad teaching, bad events, bad words, bad thinking, trying to be overwhelmed by one or two days worth of confession doesn't work. This has to become a way of life. It has to become basics. It's like carrying a football into a into a sweep with only the ball in your right hand. You're, you're going to fumble. You're going to lose it. Doesn't matter what happens. You're going to lose it. Um, it's trying to throw off your back foot back across the thing like Brett Favre did. Uh, you're going to get intercepted. It it just works that way. So you have to make changes in order to live up to what the Lord's called you to do. And I I go back to this because. In another class I'm teaching on, on heaven with um, Randy Alcorn's book on heaven and another book by John Burke called Imagine Heaven. In that process, we read about people that have died and had extensive experiences in the afterlife and come back. 
that happened in the New Testament. It happens here. Although we don't hear what Lazarus had to say, we know that he came back and we know that he was eating dinner. And we know that the Pharisees didn't like him because they wanted to kill him again. So, having gone through that, these guys were telling me, these people that have died and come back, over and over and over and over again, that the number one question the Lord asked them wasn't, were you sleeping with Susie or were you sleeping with Bill? Or were you, did you steal this or did you steal that? Did you pay your taxes or did you pay? The number one question that he asked people was, what have you done to love the people that I've put into your life? That's the number one question that they come back and report that the Lord asked them about. That was his concern. Not these other things that we get concerned about, but what have you done to love people? So I took that to heart. And as I, and as I came across this, the Lord just pricked my heart that on January 20th or 24th last year when He gave me this dream and He gave me this vision that I had the responsibility to pursue that. And I have, I, I've done what I've always done. I simply set it off to the side and said, I'll get to that later. The Lord says this is the basics that you need to work with. This is spiritual blocking and tackling. If you don't get this one right, you can't get any of the rest of them right. So, um, let's go back and look at Psalm 2. There's, there's, there's a number of things that he said in Psalm 2 that I want to uh, put out. And I'm in an environment now where the, the, the government, the po- politics of life, the things that are going on in the United States are completely upside down from what I, what I, I believe they should have been. And... and uh, they throw God out of everything. They don't want God involved in this. Now, I'm teaching, I've taught a class called Living in Digital Babylon where we discuss this. And the idea is not, can we have a better political party? Can we, can we vote more? We need to do those things. But that's not the answer. The answer is find out what the lay of the land is. What's the situation that you're in? And then find out what the Lord wants us to do about it. So Psalm 2, he kind of outlines this. And let's go to Psalm 2. Number one, why do the nations rage and the people plot a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from them. So this is the environment that we live in. This is exactly what's happening. You can see this right now in Russia. Um, China is going to go after Taiwan. The United States right now, uh, the government leadership we have is feckless in the face of these problems. And there's not, there's not much that we as people can do about it. We pray. We certainly are praying. But we have to let God work through this because we, if we start thinking about all of these things and start obsessing over them, why the things are going wrong, we'll get upset and we'll, we'll, we'll jump off of the, of the bridge, so to speak. Now, verse 4 says this, He who sits in the heavens shall laugh, and the Lord shall hold them in derision. Then he shall speak to them in his wrath and distress them in his deep. We find out that, that one of the things that the Lord is telling you, that he will take care of the things that you can't, but that you have to take care of the things 
that you do have control over. Okay, um, you can go back to Psalm eight or not Psalm Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Let's look at Proverbs eighteen twenty one for a second. Proverbs eighteen twenty one. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And you go back to Deuteronomy, Jesus said, or the Lord said, I have set before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. So one of the ways to choose life is what are you saying? What what are you speaking? What are are you speaking what God says when it doesn't look like you should do that? Um, you can go over to Romans chapter 4 and see a, the, probably the classic example of this. Um, chapter 4, verse... Uh, we'll start at verse 13 and look at verse 13 first. For the promise that he would be in the, the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. <clears throat> so he's talking about faith, operating and working in faith. And we go up and, and say, verse 15, because the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there's no transgression. Now get into verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham. That's us. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, it goes back to you're having the same faith that Abraham had. Verse 17, I have, here's what God said to Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations. He said, I've made you the father of many nations. He didn't have any kids at all. And, and grandma's up in age and he's up in age. and They don't have any kids. And yet he says, I have made you the father of many nations. Okay? Go on to there. In the presence of him who believed, God who gives life to the dead and calls things which do not exist as though they did. This is a key for me to learning how to walk in love. I have to call things that are not as though they were. I have to walk in faith. And Hebrews tells us very clearly uh, what the uh, definition of faith is. And I'll, I'll take you to Hebrews 11.1 1, just so, so that we're on the same page. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So, by operating in faith, I can begin to overcome this horrible lack of love for myself and for other people by convicting, convincing and believing what God says, even when I don't feel like it. That's the thing. Even when I don't feel like it. A, <clears throat> a great teacher, Keith Moore, told the story of a guy that came up to him after his, after his uh, service. And he said, Brother Keith, can I talk to you? Sure, go ahead. And he says, um, I can't quit smoking. And so Keith listened to him. He said in, in three minutes, he must have said, I can't quit smoking 25 times. So Keith said, oh, listen, I can help you do this if you really want to do it. He said, yeah. He says, every time you light up a cigarette, 
you say, Lord, I appreciate the fact I don't have to keep smoking. I do not smoke. I'm, in the name of Jesus, I don't smoke. And he said, well, that's stupid because I'm smoking. He said, well, you're smoking now. The guy finally agreed to do it. Keith forgot about it. Two weeks later, the guy comes into the back of church and says, you know, I did what you said. And I said, for the first two or three days, I felt silly. But afterwards, I didn't feel silly. And he said, uh, the other day, I was walking across the street waiting on the light to change. And I started to light up. And he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you don't need to do that anymore. And I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And I put him down and haven't picked him up since, completely delivered from smoking. So he was calling things that are not as though they were. Even though he was smoking, he's saying what God said about it, and it bore fruit in his life. So I need to begin to do that. I need to begin, instead of saying the things I've said for so many years about me and about others, I need to quit saying that and start saying what God says. And when I, and if I do say it, I need to repent and say, No, Lord, I, that's not true. What I say is not true. What you say is true. And begin to work on these things. And begin to step out in faith and believe what God said. Now, this is, this is a key element for us to deal with the problems that are around our country now. I know, Lord, I know that the leadership's not doing well. I know this. But you said to pray for them and that you'd take care of that. So that's what I'm going to do. Even though I don't, be, I, I, I don't like it, I'm going to do it because God said to do it. And even though I don't feel like it, I'm going to do it because He said to do it. Now, you go on from there, and we go to verse <coughs> verse 19 in, in Romans 4. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead. Well, that's what that guy did with, with Keith Moore. He said he did not consider the fact that he was smoking. Okay, He didn't consider his body was already smoking. He needed the nicotine and so forth. And that he did not consider the fact that his body was already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now, I want you to catch verse 20 again. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Now, turn back to Mark chapter 6, and we'll look at verse 5. Mark 6, verse 5. Let's see. Okay, verse 4, Jesus said, He's in Nazareth. A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now listen to verse 5. This is, this, this is a critical verse. Now he could do no mighty work there except he laid hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Now listen to this. He does not say, now he, he would not do any great miracles there. He said he could not do any miracles there. This is the Son of God. We find in Colossians, he's the created, he created the world. The world was created through Him. All of the things that the Son of God did, the Son of God Himself is saying He could not do any mighty works there because of their unbelief. 
you go back to uh, Matthew chapter 17, uh, we'll look there real quick. Matthew chapter 17, you'll see this story. Verse 14, when they come down to multitude, there was an argument, and he said, what's all the argument about? And this guy says to him, so I brought, uh, Lord, you have mercy on my son. He's an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. That is after Jesus had already given them power over the devil, over uh, sickness and disease, and told him to go out and heal people, do things. Cast out demons. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. And what's Jesus' response to that? O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with him? Bring him here to me. And then he, he, he works with him and he, he heals the boy. Now, they said, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Now, Jesus had given them authority over this. Now, he's not talking, a lot of people will tell you that this was a special demon that had come out by fasting and, and prayers. It says, uh, it's not, it's not a demon. There's no special demon. Jesus had given them authority over the demon, but something about this particular situation caused them to say, well, we can't do it on this one. This guy's tougher than the rest of them. Why that is, uh, I don't know. But anyway, they saw... Uh, this is interesting because in chapter 5 of Mark, they saw Jesus cast 6,000 demons out of a guy and throw them into a herd of pigs and they went over the cliff and committed sausage side right down in the ocean. So, speaking what God says, when you don't feel like it is, is one of the keys here. And remember that it's our unbelief. So what the Lord was telling me when I was in the hospital with COVID was uh, you have to learn to love yourself. You have to walk in this. So it does me no good to try to do anything else if I'm not getting the basics right. So I have to turn back to the basics. And, and I've, I've, I've shut down part of my teaching for the book, for the month of March in 2022 and I'm going to spend that time going back over these teachings in prayer and and I'm going to do some fasting I'm going to go to the Lord and apologize and repent because I I've not responded like I should now I would dare say to you that if you don't if you don't have this thing down where you can love your neighbor as yourself if you struggle with that a lot of people do. More people do than don't. But if you struggle with that and you and you're, you you think God's mad at you all the time and, and that he that he's going to get you, that he's that he's that he's he's you know he's always looking at you with his arms folded and his eyes his brow furrowed and going well, you know, he's my son. But if you're always thinking that, we got to change that thinking. That's not what the scriptures say. But we have to believe that whether we feel like it or not. Your feelings will lie to you. They will lie to you quicker than you can say scat. They will lie to you. Your feelings are not a valid reason to disregard the Word of God. Now, I repent of that. 
Um, I've asked the Lord to to forgive me, and he, and he has. And I'm now digging into this and beginning to look and say, okay, Lord. And and uh, sure enough, the parable of the sower tells us that when when the Lord starts working in your life, um, Satan comes immediately to steal the word which has been sown. So as soon as I make a decision that I'm going to try to love myself, other stuff comes up and makes me so mad. Why well, you you're the Lord says, don't do that. You've got to stop doing that because that's not what my Word says. So, um, I hope that this little testimony will give you an idea of some of the things that, I'm strugg- that I've struggled with all my life, and I, but I've never turned to meet them head on. I've done what most guys do when they get in trouble, they run. Uh, when I was younger, I drank a lot. I did a lot of drugs. and That, that always made it better. Yeah, if I do drugs and drink, that'll make it better. Find a girl somewhere. It'll all go away. And uh, then when I wake up, though, it's right back there where I started from. I, uh, one guy said, uh, the biggest problem with me moving somewhere is that I go with me. Yeah, the the, the problems that we face in church um, don't get better if you move to another church because when you move to another church, you take your problems with you. You are the problem. And so in this case, I just want you to to understand that blocking and tackling is fundamental to to good football. And the people that do that the best, same thing in baseball, the team that has the best defense, uh, usually they don't make errors, they win ball games. You can go back and see that all through the World Series. Now, are there any questions? Ha! Don't see any questions, so I must have done a good job. Uh, we'll go on from here, and I'd like to close with prayer. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for an opportunity to share my heart. And we do pray for good blocking and tackling, Father. We pray that we get our basics down. We pray that you will you will Enable us to walk in faith and not by feelings and not by sight. Help us to trust Your Word that You'll do exactly what You said You'd do. And we can trust You to walk with us and help us and give us wisdom when we lack wisdom. We thank You for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Look to seeing You next time. Oh!